just I've had some fun with the iPhone 14 Pro this past week. Uh, sort of like going through the different features and changing different configurations of of how it works and you know what I prefer personally. You know, from the always on display to camera settings, etc. Uh, and mm-hmm. then also on Friday, <laughs> if if you followed along on iOS 16.1 beta three in the Apple TV app on the iPhone, you could have uh, the dynamic island support a live action for sports scores for the Yankees game where Aaron Judge did not break the record. Did not, yeah. <laughs> that was so, that was like, it, it had the Attorney General's attention last week that Apple TV was carrying that game. and Exclusively, yeah. Exclusively, worldwide for free. And that New York cable subscribers couldn't watch it on the Yes channel for for the, the fee. Uh, and then and, and there was even, some back and forth about, like, apparently... MLB and yes and apple like negotiating about maybe trading or yes doing the production for free but they get to broadcast the game or they give them (laughs) they give apple the local um announcer because yeah yeah part part of it was the fact that people didn't want to use a different service and some people are arguing like older older people don't have apple tv access even though the game's free you've got to get an account and especially and and they still have some point that on android you can't even download the app because that's just a stupid thing they haven't done yet um but one of the other points was the mlb stuff is done by central you know it's done by announcers there's the, the same announcing team around the country and there mm-hmm. is a magic and a and a you know camaraderie when you get your local announcing team who've been doing casting the same teams for the many many years yeah, yeah and so it would have been kind of cool if they did get the local announcers on the apple tv game but in the end none of that happened apple clearly had no incentive to share the game with anybody else because right. it was like you know incredibly um popular and everybody wanted to tune in so in the end it just turned out to be a standard broadcast and the complaints kind of died away even though i would say on the, the so judge didn't get the didn't get the record but then i believe the next game was streamed on like amazon prime on like sunday or something when there wasn't anywhere near as much complaints about that so i don't know what was going on but and then the next one was on like espn plus or something so i don't know but anyway that you did try the dynamic island with the live sports as as did i yeah yeah yes 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 oh and that was the final mlb uh friday night baseball broadcast for apple tv right for this season yeah for, for this season yeah because they had a, yeah. like a special sign off that was like a montage of the whole season um so 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 there's baseball before we get to i guess <laughs> whatever's next a sport i certainly don't enjoy in any way at all <laughs> uh, you, do, do you watch it i don't know i i do i do watch it and, okay. and enjoy it as sort of like uh like i pay, pay attention not 100 percent, but like if i watch a football game i'll, I'll pay more attention to a baseball game yeah. I, I like being there in person more and our mutual friend sigmund judge was at the tuesday night game which was on tbs in the u.s uh because he was in canada visiting family i believe and uh you know and he's a big apple tv uh aficionado like you are and uh he that was in they they played the toronto blue jays i believe was the team and he was there (laughs) for that and also didn't break the record then it was the next day (laughs) it was the next day when when he tied the record and as of thursday i think it's still out it's out there to be to be broken so there's that um it was cool using the dynamic island in that way even like actually watching the game on tv as just sort of a proof of concept of how this will work when more apps well when live activities launch and more apps can do it um especially with the always on display so i could sort of like sit there and have the iphone on the table and just sort of compare it to how quick is it to update with the actual gameplay on tv 
And it was like the, the pro was that it was actually really good. It was like real time and it wasn't just the score of either teams. It was also who was at bat and like what just happened because I guess starting with this version, they're, they're doing play by play in the app. The play by play has previously existed in the app, but like you'd have to like be in the app at the time of the game going on. And they even do play by plays for non like games streamed on other networks. So like it doesn't, it's not even just the MLB, like Friday night baseball games. You, they, I don't know what, what, you know who does it or wrote who writes it or what conditions but they yeah. appear on other games too in the tv app but because the tv app's terrible discoverability nobody <laughs> knew about it right sure. and i will say those 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 play-by-plays are only available in the u.s so okay so my, can... yeah so on my lock screen it had the scores but the bit below you know that like kind of second section with the text what just wasn't there on the uk version i see so yeah, yeah so that that was pretty cool to see it's like a live blog of the game i mean mm. in like in like tech terms um if you were on the home screen and you expanded the dynamic island there was an issue with truncation where you would see you know the beginning of the message and it would use about two lines and it would end in dot 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 i guess it was pulling in the message from the apple tv app which had more room to write but on the lock screen uh on the the live action for the lock screen it was more intelligent than that it had just had a shorter version i guess that was maybe written separately um or maybe just the first sentence i don't know but but i noticed that um but that was really cool to see and i can't wait to see that for more things and you know as as a live action it was as live as it gets i was impressed by that the the yeah because you can obviously the sports situation is less interesting to me because i don't really care about the sport but you can imagine that same system working for like news or like maybe there's like a live news story that you want to follow like mm-hmm. for not not to say tragedy but you know like a, a a bad a bad thing happens in the world like the hurricane and you want some live updates mm-hmm. you could like follow that in a news app and then on the lock screen you have a permanent little banner with you know updates about the about the headline story that you've explicitly followed so you can definitely see the parallels and where it could work for sure Yep, yep. And and also, I mean, if you're doing something that is as live as you're waiting for your Uber to, to pick you up, you, you don't mm-hmm. want it to be, you know, delayed by a minute or so you and have your driver waiting there for you. So uh, that that's pretty cool. What, what I found that was kind of a, a downside of just the current implementation of how it all works is that on the actual uh, home screen or within an app with the Dynamic Island on the iPhone 14 Pro, if there's nothing as a secondary island you know you have a timer running or something else in the background music playing whatever yeah uh then it was great you had you had the team I, uh, logos and the scores on either side of the island great wonderful and you could expand it with a long press and see more information about the current play uh what would happen if you had a secondary island would be the score went away you only had the the, the team logos and so it was a lot less like utility in that. And so in my mm. case, it was, that I was watching the game on the Apple TV. And so the secondary Island was like a now playing tile for controlling the Apple TV. Um, but that would also apply if you had a timer or I guess navigation or music playing a podcast playing, or even something else playing on your phone. Like you're watching another game on your phone and you're trying to keep up with that score as a live activity it becomes like the lock screen is fine, but the, the home screen view is 
was truncated. Well, it is not truncated in like dot 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 way, but like you you didn't actually see the score. <laughs> yeah, it was the abridged version that was a lot less uh, utility useful. Yeah, because yeah. it almost seems like for that state where it's kind of like the the two thirds island, mm-hmm. they should have a different layout where it could just show you the score all on the left hand side, and yeah, the text would be smaller, but you could still see the scores of both plot of both teams because just showing the logos was a bit pointless. Right. There yeah. is something that I learned that was news to me that we didn't cover last week and um, that we didn't cover on the show because I hadn't figured it out. But KSTN on Twitter tweeted mm-hmm. that you can actually remove stuff from the island. Like if there's an activity running the island and you don't want it, you can swipe left to right on the pill and it disappears. So in your case, if we'd have known about it at the time, when you've got the scores on the left and the airplay on the right, if you just swipe on the little, like it's kind of counterintuitive, like swiping left to right on this thing, like there's no like UI for it, really. you just have to know to do it. But yeah. you swipe left to right on the little circle, the miniature one, it would go away and then the, the sports scores would again maximize and fill the entire island width. So that mm-hmm. is a workaround. I've been playing with that swipey gesture and it does work, but there is some like weirdness where let's say you like swipe away your music, but then a bit later on you want the music to go back up there it's like how do you get it back up there again you have to like pause the music go back into the app leave the app play it again and then it reappears like there's mm-hmm. a bit of a disconjunct you know bit discombobulated when you do like manually remove them but there mm-hmm. is a there is like an escape hatch that i wasn't aware of before yeah me yeah. neither so i i started doing that it was obviously after the fact but i started trying that out as well just to see oh that works it's one of those invisible things that you have to discover or read about to know about uh so that's, that's pretty cool in terms of the always on display i've turned it off for like maybe several hours not even a full day maybe maybe i did it for like overnight one time just turned it off and just kind of saw to see what the experience was like then if battery life was any different or if i missed it and at first i was like i was i was sort of missing it because it was just like well this is one of the new things about my iphone that i don't want to waste it but then i just kind of got to a point where like i actually do miss having my phone like on the table and glancing at it and, and knowing if there's anything that's popped up there or not, or, you know, that kind of thing. So, um, and then, and then also the, the you know, having your widgets right there is, is, is nice. Um, and I've, I've gotten, I, I, so, so I've got it turned on and I'm not, I'm not going to go back to like trying both ways. Um, and, and I've also gotten used to what felt slow in the first week where, you're like, okay, you've got another step now. So you've got a step where you pick up your phone and then you still need to tap the display or something, you know, or raise it in the right way to, to unlock it. Um, it. It now just feels much more fluid to just pick it up, swipe up from the bottom without it even being, you know, active, turned on all the way um, and get to the home screen. So it's it's starting to click. Yeah, with- it definitely takes some adjustment. Like, yeah, even, yeah. Like I got mine and I set it up and obviously the embargo reviews, a lot of them had said they just turned it off because it's too annoying. I was like, no, the display's cool, but it definitely takes your brain a few days to readjust to like, yeah, you don't have to click it off. It's there. You can just swipe. You know what I mean? Like there's a bit mm-hmm. of a a, 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 a a learning curve, I guess, sure, is, yeah. is the best way to put it. Yeah. And also yesterday I did a, a, a t- and this is on iOS 16.1 beta 3. Is that where we're on now? Or mm-hmm. did they go to beta 4 yesterday? That's beta 3, yeah. Okay. So... uh there was an update yesterday though right <laughs> this week i don't know but anyway. the beta, beta 3 came out this week okay. public beta came out yesterday beta. that's gotcha gotcha yeah so it was beta 2 before that i was actually running so uh anyway yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah anyway um yesterday i did a, a just sort of an actual use case you know without playing with it more than usual because it's new and and especially without it was like one day where, where i wasn't driving anywhere so when i drive 
my instinct is always to connect my phone over the wire to CarPlay and charge. Um, and so yesterday I didn't do any driving either, uh, which is kind of rare. But anyway, I, I got to have like a full day of from waking up around 6.30 to like having my phone off the charger until around 10 p.m. Um, and just see what battery life was like in an actual use case without going out and doing a bunch of camera tests. That's more than I would actually do on a day-to-day basis. And, and with always on display on and, and in no way like using my phone minimally compared to what I usually would do. Um, and I, and I ended up with like 35% battery. So I never got to the 20% warning, which, you know, I had forgotten like what that looks like because I just never hit it before on any iPhone in, in a while. Um, but, but getting the 35, I felt pretty good about that with just average usage with always on display turned on. And, you know, I'm, I'm and when sure you do hit low battery. It's so much nicer with the, the, <laughs> yeah. with the Island presentation and the modal alert, stupid stuff. Yeah. And I, and I'm sure that if I would have had always on display turned off and maybe it'd be 40 or 45%, but, uh, that's enough gas in the tank, you know, reserved that. Yeah. I, I, there's been some using. talk of like poor, poor battery life on the 14 mm-hmm. line. And I'm not, you know, I'm not disputing they exist, but I don't think it's caused by the always-on display. Like the difference between the display, the always-on, and the non-always-on is not very much. It's like one percent, you know, every two hours or something. It's quite low in general. If there's a bug with the iOS 16 in general, the iPhone 14 in general, uh, then yeah, that definitely can cause some, you know, battery life weakness, and maybe there'll be an update soon that fixes that and stuff. But like I had, I when I first got my iPhone 14 Pro, I ran it on 14.0 battery life is fine when i first updated 6.1 the battery life got a lot worse but now it's kind of sorted itself back out again so Mm. yeah i don't think even if in perfect conditions the battery is quite as good as the iphone 13 generation maybe the a16 chip is slightly more power hungry or whatever or the batteries are slightly small you know what i mean like there's all sorts of reasons but it doesn't feel like the display it's not like if you turn off the always on display you suddenly get crazy battery life it's only a difference about like you know, five or six percent in in normal circumstances. If you're out in like bright sunshine all day long, then the always on display because it uses the ambient light sensor will also be a lot brighter, and then mm-hmm. we'll use more battery. But you know, on average, I feel like any of the battery life complaints are kind of separate from the always on display situation. Yeah, it, like I, I watched Nine to Five Max Twitter mentions the other day, and I see we, we did sort of a, a tweet that was just tell us, you know, how is your battery life on your iPhone right now. And a lot of folks mentioned that they're using iOS 16 on an iPhone 13 or earlier and their, their battery life has taken a big shot, a big hit. So uh, it, it kind of feels like right now running, running the beta version of 16.1, you're, you're further along and, and not just in terms of like what features are being tried out, but also in terms of just like stability and performance. So um, at, it's one of those times where iOS 16, it came out because it was time to come out and maybe not because it was totally optimized for, for use. So uh, anyway, the uh, last thing I guess is the camera situation. So I've, um, I've, I've, you know, last week I kind of summarized that, that the big thing for me was two X being available with, with three X as well, without having to choose between the two. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's still like my, my main thing that I, that I love the most about the phone. Um, but I'm now that I'm settling in and it's not like test this new thing out because it's new. Um, I, I have the option for raw to, to be able to shoot 40 megapixels turned on so that it's tappable in the camera app. You know, do that in the settings for camera. Uh, but it's now that I'm at like normal usage, that's something that I think is going to be quite rare for me actually to use. And then in the halide camera app, I've got the option to shoot 48 megapixel or 48 megapixels 
as a JPEG or HEIC file, hike file. So, um, so it's kind of, I mean, I wish that that was an up in the built-in camera as well, mm-hmm. but I, maybe I wouldn't want to change between 48 and 12 because of the file size anyway. Um, but so 48 megapixel like JPEG was not going to be ginormous. Like the biggest problem with the raw files is they're like 90 megs because they're uncompressed. That's true. But the 12 megapixel uh, shots on you know on a on a heat or JPEG are like yeah. three or four megabytes, right? On on, on the iPhone 14, the 48 one would probably be about 10 or 12 megabytes. Do you know what I mean? Like it's yeah. a big difference to the 90 megs that you basically get every single time you take a shot in raw. Yeah, so it's, it's, it probably should be an option in the built-in camera to have 48 JPEG or heat, but um, the, for now, having a separate camera for that mode is, is okay, at least, especially because you know, Highlight is not like a junk app. It's, it's a quality app. Uh, and then I guess, I guess also, so part part of the thing with, with shooting 48 with raw which is actually pro raw right apple's version of raw it's like some mm-hmm. some processing going on is that each shot takes about three seconds to process before you can do the next one um and th- takes th- even more seconds behind the scenes like in the <laughs> background for it to fully process because after yeah. the three second shutter get, like after the shutter lets you take a picture again if you immediately tap on the little thumbnail it's still like a lower res one and it takes a little bit longer still for the full quality raw to actually be there yeah, Halite hey has the option to do just actual RAW where it is an Apple's ProRes version of RAW or ProRAW, whatever mm-hmm. they call it. ProRes is the video stuff, never mind. But, but ProRAW yeah, Pro is what they call their RAW. Yeah. yeah. Um, which, is, which is like instant, as you would expect, because it's just actual RAW, not, not the processed RAW stuff. So, yeah, yeah that's sort of the, the, the weekend and experience with iPhone 14 Pro. Yeah, we're both still happy with them, I'm pretty sure. Mm-hmm. oh absolutely yep. yeah yeah like again if you're coming for a 13 like it you'll, you'll enjoy it but you might you know it's not worth a full upgrade if you can't get like a discount or something but that's been the same with any iphone in recent years like you only get like a an iphone 10 landmark transition every five years or so these days you know it's not like the early days of the iphone where like you went from like the 3gs to the 4 to the 5 and it was like pretty big steps in only a few mm-hmm. years like the iphone's a mature product you have to chill out and assume that and i think the apple watch is in more of a dire state where not the ultra line but the normal line that got to maturity a lot faster and the updates between them are a lot smaller but the iphone did quite well to get as long as it did before it kind of got to this more stable state but yeah i can't complain about the 14 pro i've upgraded from the 11 pro i don't really have any um disillusion about sticking with the like apple would have to do something crazy for me to upgrade faster than like at least every two years you know so like and I don't think that's going to come down the pike. I, when I bought the 14 Pro, you kind of know that next year they're going to add some more zoom lens with the periscope. Uh, that's I'm, I, I, It'll be nice, but I'm not like begging for more optical zoom. And they'll probably add USB-C. It's like, yeah, USB-C would be nice too, but I'll just live with it for a couple more years because I'm not going to throw out my lightning cables for no reason. So I, I think I upgraded at a decent time. I'm happy. Everybody's happy. Good, pretty good, Pretty good generation. And I will say... Since the last episode came out, they actually released iOS 16.0.2, right? Which had all the camera fixes for regular people. It had the GPS fixes. It had some other stuff um, that people were having bugs with. So, yeah, iOS 16.0 was particularly problematic. But I think on point zero two, maybe battery life is still an issue. But in general, it's not too bad anymore. So, not bad for only two weeks into the new iPhone line. Happy Hour This Week is sponsored by New Relic. Developers are curious. They want to explore the newest tech, dive into documentation, and implement the newest, fanciest things. 
I make apps, I definitely fall into that camp of wanting to play around with the brand new frameworks without giving it the forethought that maybe I should. Because sometimes playing around with the new stuff is the right thing to do, and other times it just isn't. What New Relic does is provide you hard data to back up your natural curiosity. New Relic helps engineers understand exactly why things are happening or why something is going wrong. You can accurately debug issues on the fly and plan future changes to your stack with confidence. New Relic gives you data about what you're building and shows you what's really happening in your software lifecycle. A single place to see data from your entire stack, front end and back end, so you don't have to look into 16 different separate tools and try to manually connect them together. New Relic pinpoints issues down to the exact line of code so you know why problems are happening and can resolve them quickly. And that's why the dev and ops teams at DoorDash, GitHub, Epic Games and more than 14,000 other companies are using New Relic to debug and improve their software. When teams come together around data, it allows you to triage problems, be confident in decisions, and reduce the time needed to resolve issues. So use the data platform made for the curious. Right now, you can get access to the whole new rep platform and 100 gigabytes of data per month, free forever, no credit card required. So sign up at newrelic.com slash happy hour. That's spelled N-E-W-R-E-L-I-C dot com slash happy hour. Newrelic.com slash happy hour. Thanks to New Relic for sponsoring the show. Happy Hour is also brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. Every potential new hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available so you can make a decision with confidence. And that's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs is here to make it easier to find the people you want to talk to faster and for free. LinkedIn is just so ubiquitous. My brother started his first job out of uni recently, and I know that LinkedIn was one of the places that he actually went through to find work. And so to reach an audience of the world's largest professional network of 810 million people, go on LinkedIn jobs at linkedin.com slash happy hour and create a free job post in minutes. Making a post is really easy. You get started with the job title, description, place of work and employment type. And you can also list the necessary skills that you're looking for. And when you add your job post, you can add that job and the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word even more to signal directly that you're hiring and boosting the reach across your personal network so they can help you connect to the right people. When you make the job post, add screening questions to filter and focus on the candidates with just the right skills and experience for what you're looking for so you can target the most qualified applicants. And that's just some of the reasons why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs the number one job site in delivering quality hires compared to the leading competition. So finish the year strong by finding the right team member for your business with LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash happy hour that's linkedin.com slash happy hour to post your job for free terms and conditions apply thanks to linkedin jobs for sponsoring the show let's talk about the apple watch ultra next uh, it came out on last friday we've had more than just the initial like like embargoed reviews we, we've we've also had the release so i know some of our colleagues have apple watch ultra uh, Chance and uh, Michael Podick, uh, to name a couple. Uh, what are you seeing? What are you thinking about what you've seen so far? How are the reviews going? Yeah, I think they've been reasonably positive. I'd say the the reviews overall for the Ultra and the AirPods Pro 2 are kind of more positive than the reviews from the iPhone 14 Pro, at least like the official embargoed versions. I guess because... I think I think at the gate people got slightly too overhyped for the dynamic island stuff. Like it's cool, it's useful, but it maybe people like got too wrapped up in the market hub for it. And then when they actually got them to try them, they're a bit 
more disappointed than they should have been up front. And the island definitely has areas where it's like, this is obviously going to be better next year when they finish it off, you know? Same with the camera system. And obviously the always-on display was controversial. I like the always-on display on the phone, but a lot of people didn't. But the Ultra, if it can fit your wrist, people seem to love it. The battery life has been kind of insane. Like, Apple quotes 36 hours, but just like Apple quotes 18 hours for the normal Apple Watch, and you generally get longer than that. Seems like people are generally getting longer than 36 hours too for their Apple Watch Ultra. They're getting, you know, many days at a time. Uh, If you're not doing a workout, you can last like four days probably just on one charge, three or four days. If you are doing, you know, workout stuff, you'll get like probably about two full days or okay. Um, So yeah, like, and, and if you like the Apple Watch, here's a watch that has a bigger screen, has longer battery life and has all the features of everything else. The design obviously is personal preference i still like i get why people like it but i don't like the kind of like you know chunkier like crown guard thing and like the 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 thickness of it like it's definitely a beefy a beefy object compared to the sleekness of you know the normal series line but if you can get over that and you want something i mean you look at like proper watches out there so many of them are like overly large and if that's your kind of motif the apple watch ultra seems like it's going to tickle the boxes so big big wide uh good reception there i'd say you said tick, you, tick, would you agree yeah you said tick all the boxes sounded like tickle the boxes tickle yeah tick all of the boxes yeah. <laughs> yeah i like the idea of that uh yeah i i agree and and, and from your perspective uh, a 38 millimeter or 40 millimeter or 41 millimeter watch that's vastly far away from the apple watch ultra which what is the noise yeah, 47 yeah. Really, I, I a push I could fit a forty five, you know, that a push. So yeah. I don't, I'm not. That's I, that already wipes me out of that category. Yeah. What, what is the ultra forty seven or nine or forty nine? Forty nine. Yeah. yeah and I, they, they couldn't go to fifty. Maybe next year. Um, like the the most I've seen from people in terms of like, you know, criticism is, oh, I wish they could do black. <laughs> you know, which I think the idea is that because of his rugged intention of use that if you put any sort of coating on it it would chip away but that's also true of every color apple watch and i think a chipped away black ultra would look fine i mean that's what you're using it for anyway um and then the other thing is uh i don't know if you saw david smith's 20 or 34 minute video review but he was i haven't the, watched it but i saw that he posted it yeah yeah he 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 was hiking in the scottish highlands which originally i, I posted the story i i typoed and had islands scottish islands don't don't think those exist so this that's my my, my problem but um there's not any scottish dynamic islands uh, no no that's probably <laughs> what was on the brain though was, yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah but his, his video is cool because uh it's it, he's staying at a hotel there but each day he's going out and, and hiking you know around 20 miles ended up doing uh 61 miles altogether over three days of, of hiking and he's videoing all of this from his iphone and um you get to see some ac- actual in the wilderness type uh, use cases and he also compares it at least part of the time with what his series 7 can do so you get an idea of you know all apple watches can do these types of things but this is how the ultra does it better um and so i I like that aspect of it as well 
Um, so, so that was pretty cool. But he, what, something that he experienced was he was uh, walking what ended up being 26.2 miles uh, of hiking, which um, is, is marathon distance and a run. Uh, but he, he had a mishap where at some point, I think he was around 20 miles. He looked at his watch and it wasn't logging in the workout app that he had began logging in. It was logging in his custom made app as a new exercise because at some point he had accidentally tapped to the action button which he, oh, pro- no. <laughs> which he had programmed to launch his custom app that he's developing and so it stopped the apple workout app and began a new workout in his app and so even though it has like the full distance it's two separate workouts and and you know that's definitely happened to me without an action button you know before water to walk was an option you would run out and sweat or rain could stop your workout um and there, there's lots of instances where that can happen so um so, so that was just like the 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 one downside I'd, I'd seen so far. So um, so so far so good. And then for the AirPods Pro too, I haven't tried them yet. I was planning on picking them up, but I haven't yet. I do have the lanyard coming on Monday, so next week I'll tell you all about it. The encased lanyard. It's, it's incredible. Actually, you just you don't have anything to put it on. But. It's actually a clever design for a lanyard. <laughs> <laughs> uh, super compatible with all sorts of things that take lanyards. Um, anyway, <laughs> the uh, AirPods Pro 2, our, our colleague um, uh, Aaron has has tried them and has given some feedback. And, and his instinct, and I think Michael Podick had the same thing, was that the the gesture for changing the volume isn't quite intuitive as you'd want it to be. Like your first instinct is to just... Swipe up or down on the side of the AirPod in your ear, like the side of your head. But mm-hmm. that is more so the front of the AirPod, which requires a little bit of an arm twist and more intention. Um, so that was like the only negative feedback I had seen. And then in terms of just like real world testing and reviews from folks, seems to be people are doing comparisons with the first generation pros. And it's not just like on paper that they're better. It's that the sound quality has changed and improved. So um, yeah, because what they, they, the, mm-hmm. the, the kind of keynote presentation really focused on the transparency mode improvements and the noise cancellation improvements. And they kind of passed over the like the improved driver and stuff. So I read that as like, oh, it's basically going to sound the same, but you get better noise cancellation. Yeah. You know? But the reviews generally say that, no, it actually does sound better too. The noise cancellation is significantly better, not just like on paper, but actually in practice. Um, you can compare it to other truly wireless headphones and maybe... One of them has better noise cancellation, but but doesn't have a good sound. Or like it's a bit of a tit for tat all over the shop. But the AirPods Pro are a really solid all rounder, and they obviously have the best integration with the iPhone, which is obviously a key key point. So yeah, I mean another mm-hmm. strong showing from yep. and, and, Apple Incorporated. And <laughs> <laughs> Chance ran a story this week that was sort of a, a heated view, a heat scan of the AirPods Pro two case. And what that showed was that the lanyard connector on the right side is connected uh, to the output or the charging uh, input on the bottom. And uh, I, I guess that and the hinge are like sort of antenna points or, or you know, might help with that. And so maybe that benefits also the, the, the find my accuracy mm. uh, or it could just be that you know it's part of the structure of the case and it has no difference but it's sort of interesting to think that the if, if you hold on that exact spot your uh, signal dies out completely and that's the, that's the new <laughs> antenna gate that's that's right yeah <laughs> yeah it's kind of neat to think that it's possibly that that it could have more utility than just a lanyard especially if you don't use a lanyard with the airpods pro uh, too so that's that's interesting Yes, yeah, so that's uh, obviously what Apple's just released in terms of products. What we're expecting yeah. for the end of the year, hardware-wise, 
uh, via Mark Gurman's uh, Power On newsletter. He says, before the end of the year, Apple should release M2 and M2 Pro Mac Mini, M2 Pro and M2 Max, 14-inch and 16-inch MacBook Pros, and then M2 iPad Pros in both 11-inch and 12.9-inch sizes. Uh, there might also be an update to the Apple TV before the end of the year with the A14 chip in upgraded RAM. Uh, he doesn't commit that's coming this year, but it seems, you know, soonish. And then he does says the M2 base Mac Pro won't be released until next year, but that doesn't rule out them doing like a teaser or some other sure, announcement because yeah. they've already teased it once in the March event, remember, when the Mac Pro is for another day. Uh, so that's the hardware on the, like, on deck. But Mark implies that he's had that he's heard that apple isn't planning to do another event in october mm-hmm. and that those products would come out via a press release kind of announcement with a like private briefing kind of style yeah maybe not even all on the same day right yeah maybe not on the same day i mean it was kind of fun when they did that um <laughs> that march kind of week of releases remember they had something like monday and tuesday and wednesday and then i think the best apple event when tim cook would tweet out something new in his hand like it was the ipad mini with apple pencil support and then it was he had the same picture but he added airpods and it was the second generation airpods like every with day the wireless was, charging case yeah yeah every day there was something different that was and the then best. it was an ipad mini and then there was an imac spec bump i think on the first day or something yeah yeah so yeah. That, that was good and then, and then at the end of the month they killed off air power because <laughs> i remember that was like right around when people thought air power was going to ship so everyone oh, yeah. was waiting for him to have like an air power man his head and they brought out the airpods case with wireless charging it was like here we go it was and like friday was air power yeah no. yeah but no, no. <laughs> yeah so um good. the ipad pro stuff so if it's just the m2 and like nothing else changes then i think what would make that interesting is if uh stage manager allowed for more than four apps on on mm. the screen more on that later but uh, i think that's probably reserved for the rumored larger screen ipad in future years to come not not just the power of the ipad because of screen limitations uh so, so there's that but but also if ipad pro has a new charging connector of some type that involves new accessories as well you know that is interesting but they did do the magic keyboard you know the trackpad plus keyboard for the ipad pro that that was just a press release right it wasn't an event that was that- a press release but that was also covid hot like that was march 2020 time frame yeah yeah right yeah. so they, they they maybe they wanted to do an event for that but then they couldn't because the world shut down so fair enough yeah that's a bit of a question mark but yeah that yeah. is definitely a kind of product though where they could have done it as a an actual event or they could have done it as a press release on its own yeah and and then the the m2 pro mac mini i think the most interesting there is not what the m2 pro mac mini is but it's does this finally and the Intel Mac Intel. Mini line mm. where they still sell the space gray one for, I think, a And they never did an M1 Pro Mac Mini, remember? Right. The best M1 Pro Mac Mini is the Mac Studio, and that's pretty high end. And that's, a, that's a Max, remember? Yeah. So like, it, there was a, a gap where they didn't offer a desktop M1 Pro. Yeah. Yeah. Pro is in <laughs> higher, the chip higher. Name. Yeah, I know. It's so stupid. Yeah. They only had the M1 Mac Mini and the Intel. And then the Max, the M1 Max is what the lowest end Mac Studio has because then the Mac Studio could upgrade to the Ultra chip. Yeah. Yeah. And then the uh, M2 Pro and M2 Max MacBook Pro models, that'd be about a year over year uh, turnover, right? Which is pretty good. Yeah. yeah, yeah about a year. Yeah. 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 And I don't expect him to be like super crazy, you know, little spec bump here. So there you go. 
what if they do midnight as a color option? Oh, don't and, tell me that. And you know that they'll color match the cables oh, this time don't. around. <laughs> no. And what if they make the notch smaller? Like they oh, do it's going to be a in... team with notch or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's always behind, but they're, you know, with Dynamic Island now, it can be even smaller. Well, not, it won't be that, but it'll be, like you said, the 13 size. Because the uh, notch on the MacBook Pros is huge. Yeah. <laughs> it's like so big space. just to have one camera in it. Yeah, I mean, if they actually did Face ID and and that, and they kept the size, and that would be okay. But yeah, uh, under the screen proximity sensor, maybe one day. I don't know. But uh, and then the Apple TV, you mentioned a fourteen chip for that. This this is like the M two event, though. Just throw an M two in the in the Apple TV. Why not? That would be know, nice. Be nice. Charge three hundred. So yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> individually, there's nothing like crazy, right? So doing those press releases is fine. If they wanted to, they could 100% make an event out of it. They could do an hour-long video event, mm-hmm. you know, rattle through a load of grab bag products, maybe tease the Mac Pro, because they've already teased it once, might as well tease it again. They'll and they could roll real. in... Yeah, they could roll in a stage manager demo, they could roll in iOS 16.1 features, then maybe Apple Music Classical is ready, the, you know, like, I'm sure there's stuff that they... The, the Freeform app is meant to be coming out this year, that kind of, like... You know, 3D whiteboarding like thing, you know, that collaborative whiteboarding thing they announced. Like, there's definitely stuff they could make an event out of if they wanted to. But the, Mark doesn't say that he's got sources, but the way the newsletter's written, it basically like wink, well, wink. I've the, been told. Yeah, Bloomberg is his reporting in the newsletter is part reporting, but a lot of analysis. And Bloomberg's where he's like got like four sources for something. Yeah. So it's like lock solid. We're going to write a, a website post about it. The newsletter's more fluid, or it's like, yeah, someone's told me this. I haven't been able to like fully confirm it yet. But and in this case, he's not even saying somebody told me. He's just like mm-hmm. presenting it as if it's his own speculation. But you know the way it's written you can tell that he's been informed by it because if you if you just listed out the products on a page you could easily say there's an october event there. right and, and prior if to you're that, told that there's not then there's not yeah prior to that he he was reporting october event yes for, or second event at least um and you know you, again intentionally making an event you know if apple music classical which people only care about because it hasn't come out yet yeah. <laughs> is, a, is a thing then throw it in there uh I can't wait to download it. Check out the UI differences from the music hub, and then never use it again. My my, my, my theory is still that they've decided just to improve the classical aspect of the Apple Music app, and that a second app um, was the original plan. But that was just saying, you know, we're going to acquire the company and do that. But actually, there was even more references this week to Apple Music Classical. Yeah, that's true. Thing. Mm. Every week there is. (laughs) Every week. Without even doing updates, they just do it over the air. They add more references, uh, and then, mm. and then, I guess, lastly for me on this is that um, I, if the Mac Pro teaser is more than just a still to come, if it's like mm. a video teaser, which I think would be very cool, then that only happens in an event setting. I don't think that in the press release week approach that they also post a video to youtube and apple.com as a teaser i mean they, they certainly could and that would be you know part of the new era um but yeah it, they video- probably have to release a statement saying it's been delayed because they did like, i don't they think did say the, they did say the the apple silicon transition will be complete within two years which is coming up in november i don't think so. they say delayed for it though i think that the, the march statement of still to come is enough to say enough to keep them over and that uh no, i don't know about that they said the the transition be done within two years so yeah but those deadlines are so arbitrary for apple they just throw them out there you know i mean more on i that. feel like they could say <laughs> after the um m1 mac mini gets this uh Oh, sorry, after the Intel Mac Mini gets the bump with the M2 releases, right? Mm-hmm. They could have like a, a one-liner at the bottom of the Mac Mini press release. 
and we'll also be updating the Mac Pro with Apple Silicon in next year. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I'm sure they'd acknowledge it somewhere in like a tiny little line. Yeah, but you're right that if they don't, if they do an event, they'd have like a video to go along with it. If it's just press release or this stuff, that it'd get like a maybe a statement to TechCrunch or something, you know. Yeah, and then my whole interpretation of Mark's uh, assessment of maybe not doing an event, uh, or or even if they just do like a video and don't don't invite as many people as last time, uh, make make a whole show of it, then uh, it's sort sort of that idea of when you have a meeting and someone says like, could this just have been an email, or you have an email and like, could this just have been a message? It's that sort of thing. It's like we really could do this uh, more efficiently without the big production, especially after the big the big one we had in September. So. Um, yeah, I guess we'll know soon. Cause we will know soon. September is if they're doing an actual v- filmed event, they'll start filming it in like next week. Cause yeah, that, like, that gets reported. Lag. Yeah, that gets reported yeah. in October Saturday. So we're, we're <laughs> right there. <laughs> but based on what Mark said here, now it seems like most likely they're going to do press releases at some point. We are also sponsored this week by A-Logic to celebrate the launch of their new Clarity 4K display. And 9to5Mac is teaming up with A-Logic to give away the latest generation M2 MacBook Air. So keep listening to find out how to enter. The A-Logic Clarity 4K monitor is a sleek external display for your laptop. It features an expansive 27-inch 4K panel with wide viewing angles and a thin bezel surround. The display panel is covered with high-quality glass for a beautiful glossy finish that helps the screen look vivid. On the back of the monitor, you'll find a full set of I.O. to easily connect to other peripherals, including two USB-A ports, USB-B, two HDMI, DisplayPort, USB-C, and audio out. And because you connect to the monitor with USB-C, all of that I.O. is connected with a single cable that also features up to 90 watts power delivery to keep your laptop fully charged. And it comes with a completely adjustable metal stand with pivot, tilt, and swivel. You can even rotate the whole display to portrait. So that's the A-Logic Clarity 4K monitor on sale now for $799 and it comes with a high-quality A-Logic Iris webcam for free. Learn more using the link in the show notes. And if you want to enter to win the M2 MacBook Air, just follow the link in the show notes and submit your name and email address. The giveaway is open to listeners in the United States and Canada. Thanks to A-Logic for sponsoring the show. Sorry, you can't enter mail. No. <laughs> People actually win those too, by the way. Someone did a blog post and said, I've never won anything, and they showed what they got. And it was like a, a Mac, so that's pretty good. I like that. Uh, Airplay 2 group scoop by uh, by Felipe, our colleague. What's this about? Yes. This is interesting. So in the iOS 6.1 betas, this isn't a like published feature, but looking at the code references, uh, which I believe was in beta 2 and has since been removed, um, is this unannounced thing where you'll be able to group together home pods or supported airplay 2 speakers by having them as like a permanent group so right now you can pair together two home pods into a stereo pair and they appear as one item in the airplay menu right so you want to target something in the living room you've got an airplay you've got a home pod pair you just click one button and it plays on both of those home pods but if you've got like a home pod in multiple rooms you've got other airplay 2 speakers there's no way currently to group them together so that with one button you can play them in all those places. Like you can add them to like zones in HomeKit and say to Siri to play on this zone or play in this room or you know play in these rooms. But in the UI, there's no physical way to group stuff together. Well, what Felipe Esposito found is references to the idea that you will be able to create permanent speaker groups in the Home app, making that whole arrangement if you if you have a lot of airplay 2 speakers much simpler to organize you could just put all of your speakers to one big group like all of the speakers in a room could be in one group and even more interestingly 
the code shows that you could use that same speaker group to be set as the default audio output of an Apple TV. So maybe they're going to do some kind of like stereo support, like surround sound support, or maybe you'll be able to use non-HomePods as like home theater uh, out on Apple TV. Like there's a lot of interesting details there. Um, And they would also pair together, not just for playing sound, they'd also pair together for Siri. So like the only one would respond, they'd act as a group. Basically like imagine a HomePod pair, but any set of AirPlay 2 compatible Mm -hmm. speakers. So that's a pretty interesting thing especially in the like with the rumors of the new apple tv coming out yeah and the ideas of a future like soundbar system like you can kind of vaguely put together the puzzle pieces and see how that comes together in a final thing but if all they do is make it so that you can organize your airplay 2 menu a bit more and just have speakers grouped together that would be useful as well yeah two airpods big in the front which is the new ones and then that are coming next year i guess and then two minis in the back and You've got a, a, a nice experience there. <laughs> that sounds pretty cool. Uh, and mm. also, it just seems like, I mean, I'm sure Sonos has had that feature since they've done multi-room because they sort of pioneered multi-room wireless speakers uh, in a consumer level. And it's, I would say, though, I, I want to say that it's also a hint of, you know, the new HomePod to come. Uh, but the AirPod Express got new features even after it was gone. So it seems like the, the teams don't work and. Uh, in tandem but maybe you can well, it can very much just be for homepod mini <laughs> right 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 active yeah. product yeah 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 of course so. which is uh yeah yeah so that's, that's pretty cool i like the idea of that uh and then next up we've got the ios 16.1 beta 3 that i had mentioned before <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yes yeah there uh, are, this there has got are, a few little bits and bobs and then one kind of big thing so the smaller stuff Previously, you could only change your lock screens, like like um, switch between your lock screen gallery by going to the gallery on the actual lock screen and long pressing, and it brings up that menu, right? Kind of like the Apple Watch where you can swap between them. As of beta 3 on 6.1, you can now access that same list or that same kind of like carousel in the settings app. So you go to settings wallpaper, instead of just seeing your current wallpaper there, there's like a scrolling list and you can flick between them that way which is nice so it gives a bit more exposure if you people don't find the long press gesture or they don't want to do that they can just go to settings there and they've also made it even more obvious about you can tap here to change your lock screen you can tap here to change your home screen photo if you want them to be different uh which is something people keep complaining about and still can't keep rearrange making it easier and easier you still yeah. can't rearrange them now you can't reorder them and something else people want that isn't available is to just like you've set up a home screen or a lock screen with a load of widgets on it you just want yeah. the exact same lock screen but with a different wallpaper so like yeah. copy and then just change the wallpaper because right now you have to make a new lock screen select the same photo and then re-add all the same widgets which is a bit annoying mm-hmm. uh, but no copy and paste of or, or reordering just yet uh, but the wallpaper gallery picker is available in settings up now which is a nice little improvement uh, also in the 16.1 beta there's a satellite connection demo kind of like mini app this will come into play when the iphone 14 line supports emergency sos via satellite in november as promised uh so you if you want to try out that feature without actually invoking emergency services you'll be able to use the satellite connection demo it will be available under settings emergency sos and it will train you how to so as well as being like a way to just i don't know get vanity that you've paid this money for a phone and it does actually have the feature that's advertised <laughs> to you can use it as like a training guide so if you before you get into an actual accident you can learn how to hold up your phone to the sky point it at the satellites the right way and get the gist to try basically demo the feature but without actually invoking 
the emergency services. It's like That's when cool. they used to show True Tone at the setup process just to show off that like, yeah. it was there. You couldn't actually choose to have it off. They just showed you what it would look like if it was off. And then you could go later on and turn it off. This is pretty good, especially because you, you don't want to be in an emergency situation and figure out how your phone works. You, yes. you want to know. So I like that. And this is obviously what the reviewers yeah. will use to show it off. Yeah, yeah. It'll cut down on the on the the, the faults, the fake you know calls, emergency calls when you're trying to try it out by a little bit at least. Uh, and then the big news is that last week Matter was in the settings app and now it's gone. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's that it. is true. I mean, Matter's probably delayed again. Based on the <laughs> but that is true. That is a fact. The big news is about Stage Manager. So, external display support support is gone for the time being. So to try and make the current feature less buggy and more reliable and kind of focus in for the iOS 16.1 release, which they obviously want to coordinate with the release of the M2 iPad Pros and stuff, uh, they have decided that they are going to defer external display support for the M1 line until some point down the line for a future update. Yeah, in I, the I, hope I, that they can ship yeah. it faster. Right? Yeah, I, I had someone uh, that follows an NFA Mac uh, respond and say that like they were very disappointed about this and in the way in the way that they've been using it all summer and they're sort of just relying on it now with their their desk setup. Um, but the workaround, of course, th- they found was to DFU the iPad and then install the public beta and then turn off automatic updates. So that person will be the lone external display iPad user until the feature actually ships. I guess that does work. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, they'll bring it back at some point. Yeah. Uh, and then the second part is that they are adding support for Stage Manager to the third generation and the fourth generation iPad Pro. That's the 2018 and 2020 models. Um, so the A12Z and the other one that I can't remember the name. The pronounce Z. Yeah, the other chip that I can't remember the name Probably of. Probably X. A13X or something, something yeah. like that. Yeah. Uh, basically, those two uh, will get the stage manager support they will never get external display support but they will get stage manager multi-window on the ipad with up to four live apps at a time this obviously is off the back of back in june feels like a lifetime ago everyone was moaning because they brought out stage manager but it was m1 exclusive which was quite limiting and it didn't seem like there was a good reason why it had to be so limited and they could definitely bring some features to older ipads especially with everybody asking for the ipad pro features to get better and better year over year and then they finally arrived but only the brand new iPads can actually benefit. Uh, then Apple did like this PR campaign where they like said some stupid reasons why Stage Manager was exclusive to M1, and they said it's like you know graphics and thingy and requires virtual memory swap, and it's a complete experience. And then everyone was like, "Well, you're supporting it on the baseline iPad Pro that doesn't have virtual memory swap," and like all the all these things got ripped apart. And so now they finally decided we don't care about it being a complete experience anymore whether they did it all, whether it was just like marketing speak, but they've finally done the right thing. They've brought what they can to the two older iPad Pro models, have at it. You can now do four windows at once on the iPad. So big thumbs up for me. I wish this had been how it was from the beginning, but the community worked. We forced them to sort it out, and now they have done. Do you have one of those iPads? No. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That would have been that have been a great conclusion. Uh, yeah, because I do yeah. want to try it out, but I currently don't have any iPads. My daughter does. She's got a hand me down with a, with a 
very faint crack in the middle of the screen, like a hairline crack on the center and then a glass cover over that. So it doesn't affect her. Um, so she'll be able to do stage manager. I don't think she will. because She's uh, nine, but anyway, um, th- I recall a lot of people with, with megaphones, you know, whether it's their blog or Twitter or a podcast saying that, you know, Apple did what they did for a reason and that, um, that it was, it was fine and reasonable to restrict this to M1. And I don't think we ever, as the podcast position ever buckled. <laughs> I think we always thought, yeah, it's kind of. And I said, I'd, I'd yeah, maybe upset. they could only do three apps at once or they couldn't do external display. He like, did, yeah, yeah, it was fine for them to limit it, you know, to make it work for the device capabilities because that's what they normally do, right? Like, and that's what they most bring iOS want. 16 to uh, older right. iPhones, but they turn off some of the features they can't make work. It's like, fine, yeah. you've still brought iOS 16. And this case was particularly you know annoying or frustrating because people were sitting on ipads that apple had been telling them are super advanced with the most powerful chips and you can you know change the future with it like the march 2020 ipad was the a12z one right not a very old device they brought out the magic trackpad and the keyboard and then along comes uh this feature that is what everybody's been you know theoretically waiting for <laughs> uh with big asterisks because people don't actually like how stage render works but you know what i mean right like on on display windowed multitasking and it was limited to the only just released m1 ipads only and they didn't give a good explanation why it didn't seem like it was a good explanation why and you know three months later here we are they brought out a version of stage manager for these other ipads that people actually be able to use and enjoy so here we are yeah, and I don't think it was a lot of work. I think it was just changing the configuration. Uh, what what it does do in the code, what it does do is Stage Manager has had a bad summer in the press. So people testing it who actually care a lot about it, like uh, Federico Vitici and Steve Chatton Smith, uh, they they both have, they would both really like it, and they both think it's not performing up to standard. Um, well, there's both there's both reliability complaints mm-hmm. and design behavioral complaints yeah right? yeah and this and this latest re- announcement makes no no impact on the behavior no. because the way it works is the way it works they haven't changed yeah. that but it, what it hopefully does do is make the release for 16.1 better because apple has less stuff to worry about so and the external display support on m1 was one of the more crashy buggy parts based sure. on anecdotal yeah. reporting um however people installing 16.1 beta 3 like federico Vitici are still encountering bugs and crashes and glitches even when it's now limited to just the ipad display only yeah so you like i can accept apple releasing features that aren't well designed and the fact that they'll keep working <laughs> and changing them because they yeah. make a decision they did spend money this way it does have some value but it definitely has some quirks there's less um goodwill when they release features that are like actively buggy and broken now to, to be completely fair, we're still in the beta season. We are. But it's because been many, many betas at this point. And they even pushed the iPad the iPad OS release to October for this very reason. And beta 3 of 16.1 is not too far off the GM for 16.1. We've maybe got one more beta in us, you know? Hmm. And the fact that the stage manager experience is still so crashy and buggy at this point is uh, alarming. Yeah. And I, I should emphasize Steve Trotton Smith says you know his position not only is it buggy and bad in that way but also his his position is that it's fundamentally designed wrong and that everything to really make a difference everything needs to be started from scratch and and i might agree with him if i actually got to use it like part of my reason i've tempered my complaining about stage manager stuff is just because i haven't been able to try it yet yeah yeah well i would say that as a non-ipad user 
Um, I mean, when we watched the keynote and you were watching Twitter, which had people there that were sharing things about three minutes before they hit the video, yeah. you, you had said there's something big coming that you'll like. And then it came time and I saw it and like, I positive that from the first week I was like, that's that's a that's a method, but it still doesn't do what I want. What I would want to do on an iPad. It's yeah, I re- by limited. the way, just to be clear, I didn't. Yeah. I obviously that was literally in the heat of the moment. I said there was yeah, something yeah, coming yeah, that yeah. you like. Yeah. By the time they, I actually saw it in the video myself. I was immediately uh, dubious. Like, yeah, yeah, because <laughs> it is still really constrained compared to a Mac, and just weird, like the fact that you drag a window around and the windows behind it can like intelligently, quote unquote, fly off in another direction. It's like you almost did it, you know, you almost did mm-hmm. it, but not not quite good enough. Yeah, yeah. Um, so so, so the, there's that. I, I do think that there's, you know, I was mentioning that it's had a rough summer in the press. So you, you do get some positive press for Stage Manager when you uh, allow it to run on 2018 and 2020 iPad Pros. It's it's so, so it's every iPad Pro with the current flat sides design. And then the iPad Air 2, not the iPad Air 1, which is totally reasonable because that's a A14, I think. Um the and then the iPad Air is M1. Um, the other thing is that maybe the benefit, maybe another benefit here is that you'll have more app optimization because when it's just the M1 iPad, it's a, probably a pretty small audience of iPad apps specifically. And by having introducing not just iPads from last year but iPads from the last three years, then I'm sure that there's going to be a much bigger adoption in terms of usage and apps. And so there's more incentive for an app to optimize for it. And what I mean by that is like there's some cases where apps just you do change manager and it goes full screen or it doesn't resize correctly and those types of things. So there's there is some work to be done and it's not just out of the box you get full support for this stuff. And that and like will, the software keyboards at the wrong angle and all yeah. sorts of problems and that you know let's say stage manager is perfect <laughs> imagine that uh th- that you'd also i mean the experience is also graded by how apps perform for it the apps that you actually use perform in stage manager and so you know by by widening the pool of of, of candidate ipads it, it's got to have a positive effect in, in mm. some way yeah so i hope that they can ship it in a stable form not convinced they will based on the beta 3 progress yeah then, they... like once they ship it in a stable form then we can all complain about the design problems but first they just have to make it work uh, and just ignore it and use the, use the mac <laughs> yeah. I, I mean it... unfortunately like if this was an iphone feature there's no way it'd be in this state it's an ipad feature that you have to opt into through control center hence it gets less way less priority that's just the reality unfortunately Finally this week, Happy Hour is sponsored by Pillow. More and more studies are showing that getting a good night's sleep improves your health and well-being in more ways than you can imagine. And Pillow is an all-in-one sleep tracking app to help you be more aware of your sleep patterns and discover what might be affecting your sleep quality. Pillow tracks and analyzes your sleep automatically and you can check in with a full report of your sleep the very next morning. If you have an Apple Watch, tracking your sleep is as easy as wearing it to bed. If you don't, you can do it through the iPhone or iPad app. Just tap a button to start your sleep session. You can even record sounds of the night like sleep talking, apnea, or other noises that might be affecting how you sleep. Use the Pillow app to check trends, get personalized insights, and compare your sleep metrics with your weight, steps, caffeine consumption, and more. Use smart alarms to get woken up at the most optimal time, aiming to wake you up when you're in a stage of lightest sleep. Importantly, Pillow is privacy-minded. All of your sleep and audio data is encrypted and stored on your device, and in iCloud using end-to-end encryption. 
Pillow is free to download from the App Store with a set of features that you can use for free every day. Try Pillow's premium features with a seven-day trial. Just visit pillow.app to get started. That's pillow.app to get started. Thanks to Pillow for sponsoring the show. Yeah, finally, we've got some uh, football. Media. F- football. It's all football. Football, yeah. <laughs> uh, there's, a, there's a change in the Super Bowl sponsor this year. It's been Pepsi Sugar Water for years and years and years. And who is the new sponsor of the Super Bowl halftime show coming in 2023, I believe, right? Apple Mayo. Music. Apple Music. Makes sense. It's a, it's a musical performance each year. And Pepsi isn't Coke. I don't know. <laughs> so, I like it. It, it makes sense. Yeah, like the... Obviously, Apple, the company, does not do many, like, sponsorship deals. They're kind of more premium than that. Like, people come to want them, not Apple wanting other people, you know? Like, mm-hmm. that's, that's just their brand. Um, but the divisions, like Apple Music or what was previously called iTunes, have done sponsorships and promotional things constantly. So that's why it was announced as Apple Music sponsoring the halftime show, not yeah. Apple sponsoring the halftime show. Because this is not going to be like an iPhone commercial in the middle of the ha- of the Super Bowl. It's going to be about Apple Music. They're going to obviously promote the artists and the bands uh, that they have in there. And there'll be some you know tie-ins, I'm sure, to like playlists. And maybe you'll be able to stream it through the Apple Music app and stuff. But like this is why it's Apple Music. Because uh, if you think about it, like what have, what has Apple Music done before in this arena? They've done various live music events, including the rather travi- the, the rather tra- tragic uh, Travis Festival. You remember that Ferrari yeah. last year where people mm-hmm. died and stuff? That was terrible, but they did sponsor that. Um, they did the iTunes Festival that was called the Apple Music Festival for a very brief amount of time. And if you go back even further, they signed up with, um, I think it was Pepsi, actually, which is kind of funny for like the sponsoring on the Pepsi cans that like, you get free iTunes songs with like a promotion under the cans of Pepsi bottles and stuff. Um, or it might have been Coke, one of the two. And if you get even further back, uh, Apple Music actually teamed up with American Idol. They were like, iTunes was like the sponsor of American Idol for a while and you could like get the songs and stuff like that. So like this is not out of character for Apple Music. It'd be out of character for Apple, but it's not out of character for Apple Music. Um, so that'd be fun to watch in February when the show is. But obviously this is also part of wider negotiations or wider burgeoning relationship between apple and the nfl to acquire ultimately get sunday ticket rights and it's now the end of september we still haven't heard a confirmation of that but apple is still the front runner to get sunday ticket to stream on apple tv joining friday night baseball from mlb and joining the mls stuff um according to the new york times part of the reason it's taking so long is because uh the nfl want to offload more assets as part of one big deal so and apple's you know going through everything with a fine tooth comb uh, that includes the halftime show that includes the nfl network that includes the red zone and obviously apple is looking to spend in the region of two and a half billion a year on this stuff so now that the nfl's shoved in loads of other assets apple has to you know price everything negotiate with everything drive a hard bargain the nf the new york times even says that like the NFL has been trying to encourage other bidders to come forward with more full offers to try and force Apple to just sign on the dotted line, you know. But they, just like they do with suppliers, they're pulling teeth and trying to get the best deal they can, which is fair enough. It's their money at the end of the day. But that's supposedly why it's taken even longer and that's why it's protracting out uh, to this time frame. But the fact that they got the halftime show is evidence that they're probably going to secure secure the bag, as it were, Cozy soon enough. Up. Yeah. Indeed, cozying up. Yeah. You you could make the analogy, I wouldn't agree with it, but you could make the analogy that Pepsi is to Coke as Apple Music is to Spotify. 
So yeah, yeah, I don't agree the, with that. I, I mean, I use Apple Music, obviously, but I would definitely say if you want to brand value wise, yeah, I think Coke is definitely the Spotify in the relationship. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, because people like in the around the world, Spotify is more popular, and I think in general it's seen as the better service. Like whether that's yeah. true or not, it's completely separate, and it is in some ways for sure. I'm not denying it, but like. Uh, that is, I would definitely say that Coke and Pepsi, Spotify and music is not a terrible analogy. No. Yeah. Uh, and, and it was, after this was announced like the same day, it was briefly remembered that Taylor Swift was going to be the performer for the halftime show or one of them or the, the you know, big one. And then that was from like the Hollywood Reporter or, you know, one of those websites, maybe Deadline. And hours later, the reliable TMZ said no, <laughs> and then I think it was actually maybe it was actually announced that Rihanna will and and yeah, she had, it was announced that Rihanna will yeah and Rihanna uh, she had declined to perform a few years ago over the how it, the NFL was treating uh, Kaepernick with the over the kneeling um, episode during the American. Well, when the flag was shown, I guess, and and then so, so she's back for this year, and then there's also the connection with with Apple that Eddie Q was accused of. Well, he was accused of. <laughs> there's a photo of him super excited at a at a basketball game. I think it was a video clip. I think there was like a clip. Okay, well, if he like photo, stood up and he like pointed, and people thought he said "sit down" to Rihanna. Yeah, but he <laughs> was just like. Saying like you know, he was just like happy for the team or whatever. Yeah, yeah he, he goes in his long pants and long long sleeve shirts and sandals to these NBA games and has a red face. Um, so that's like say the other thing with the the uh, the, the shortly lived. I'm like I'm like making like fan fiction for what happened with the Taylor Swift thing. But if you recall, uh, Taylor Swift years ago was upset with Apple Music because they Apple was not going to pay artists during the free trial period, which was three yes. months. Yeah, and. I didn't know this, uh, but it's, it's widely known that the NFL doesn't pay artists to perform during the halftime Super Bowl show. Oh, really? I didn't know either. Yeah. And so mm. I can see that being like a Taylor Swift won't do it kind of thing, you know? <laughs> artists should get paid for their work. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that kind of wild? That's, um, that's pretty mental. Like, the, the idea is paying like tens of millions to get. The, the sponsorship right so you feel like yeah. some of that would go to the performers yeah. yeah yeah not the case though the 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 idea is that they're compensated by the exposure which the exposure. <laughs> actually results in, but you only become a performer if your exposure is worth something you're a but, big star yeah. yeah but the the uh, i guess the, the other side of, they should pay it yeah, the other side of that, though, is that each time a performer is uh, seen, then the next day or the same day that their online sales of music goes up and merch and et cetera. But I don't know. Maybe maybe that's not also very valuable either in the long term, So especially in the age of streaming. So oh, kind of weird. Uh, we're moving on to another type of football, uh, soccer. And this is the uh, new version of FIFA for video consoles, video game, soccer game. You have a new character, new, new, new cast of characters from Ted new team, Lasso. Yeah. yeah. You can play as the Ted Lasso and AFC Richmond squad. Pretty good. In the new FIFA 23. Yeah. All, all the characters look kind of kind of computerized, but then Roy Kent looks more human than in real life, I think. So that's that's <laughs> that's the consensus there. Uh, and then I would say lastly, in the Ted Lasso universe, Apple TV Plus universe, 
Uh, Tim Cook has been on a European tour this past week, posting photos of him uh, drinking beer. Uh, he received a master's degree in innovation and international management in Italy. So the classic uh, Phil Schiller line, can't innovate anymore in my ass. Well, he has a master's degree to show that he can, uh, <laughs> Tim Cook. And, and then this all began with a showing of Tim Cook and uh, Eddie Q and uh, Lisa Jackson and the new PR rep for Apple uh, at the AOC Richmond Stadium, as it were, with uh, some of the cast of, 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 of uh, Ted Lasso. I think it was actually a real football game they watched. I saw some photos where they were like in a booth watching an actual game. Yeah. Oh, pretty cool. Makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And my, then Cook yeah. also, I should mention this section, he um, visit. well, I don't know if he actually visited, but he wore the Battersea Power Station <laughs> jersey. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. Because Apple is opening some pretty big new offices in London uh, and they've been announced as the one of the, ho- like the Battersea Power Station project conversion has been going on for, it was probably almost a decade, like a long time. Yeah. Uh, and it's like, you know, had delays and stuff. But finally, it's open this week to some some parts of the Battersea Power Station, you know, renovation are open, but Apple's offices aren't going to open until early next year. So I think Cook visited the site and on Twitter, he shared some like concept photos of what it's going to look like. And of course, it looks stunning and beautiful and loads of glass everywhere. But big Apple offices opening in the UK very soon. Yeah, for Americans, this is the uh, Pink Floyd album art with the two towers coming out of the building. So, battle sea, yeah. Jacket was cool. <laughs> yeah, so that's pretty good. Uh, I don't think I got anything else for this week. Oh, last last thing I'll say is that my, my, NF, my American football team favorite, the New Orleans Saints, are playing in London this weekend. And so they've, they've been in London all week uh, near near you. And at one of the press conferences throughout the week, uh, one of the players was asked if they're a Ted Lasso fan, and he said yes. He wants to. He hopes to visit the where they film soon. <laughs> so <laughs> it, it was is kind of a surreal experience seeing like like the head coach, for example, his name is Dennis Allen, uh, do a, a, a football press conference in front of a largely British uh, press corps <laughs> and answer questions. Well, it wasn't quite the equivalent of Ted Lasso, but it's pretty close. Well, I think that's the Happy Hour podcast for this week. Do you have anything else, Mayo? No, that's cool for me. All right. Uh, if you want to give us feedback, you can email Benjamin and I together at happyhour at 9to5mac.com. I'm on Twitter and Instagram at ApolloZach, which is A-P-O-L-L-O-Z-A-C. Benjamin, you're on Twitter at? B-Z-A-Mayo. And we'll be back next week. Bye, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.